Welcome back to Revive School. My name is Fred Staten. I'm a pastor uh, in the Indiana area. I've uh, always lived in Indiana, and I'm so thankful for uh, the heritage that was uh, given down to me. You know, uh, some of the best decisions in my life were actually made by the generation ahead of me. And I think if you begin to look at your own life, some of the uh, you know, some of the, the, the real heritage that we have means so much to us. Uh, when I was in, in junior high school, my dad was a successful realtor and was uh, very, very busy doing things and working. And uh, one day, one of his colleagues said to him, isn't it crazy that our kids are little when we're trying to build our careers? And then when our careers are kind of built, then the kids are gone, just the time when we would have enough time for them. It so convicted him that my dad literally quit his job. Uh, at the same time that my dad uh, quit his job and, and took on another job near, near our house so that he could spend time with me, he fell deeply in love with the Word of God. I mean, passionately in love with the Word of God. Uh, he began to read it. There was rarely a morning that I remember getting up my, that my dad wasn't already uh, reading the scriptures or uh, had already had already read them, and so early, early on, about that same time that I uh, saw in him a change for the Word of God, that started to spark within me. And so I just want to encourage you. We've been talking about uh, Jeremiah's life, an incredible uh, Christ-like man before he was, uh, well, before there was uh, uh, Christ on earth, and. This, this man's life was changed by the Word of God. Uh, one thing we haven't really pointed out recently was uh, when Jeremiah was a young man, uh, there was a king named Josiah. And when Josiah was doing a renovation of the temple, uh, they found the Word of God, the, the law, in the temple. And Josiah led a reform where people uh, began to, again, dig into the, the law and the Word of God and I know, I know that it not only changed the nation, but it changed Jeremiah's life uh, in those early years. But uh, what we're studying in these few passages is just a generation removed from that. And we're, we're really uh, one generation away from uh, you know, people not loving the Word of God or not even loving Christ. And so uh, it's not only important for us to love Christ and be passionate but pass that along to the next generation in, in a big way. And I believe the best way we can do that is just to be genuinely and passionately in love with Christ in the Word of God ourselves. So we're digging in today. So today we're studying Jeremiah chapters 20 and 21. Uh, in this passage, here's kind of a theme uh, that I want us to think about. Uh, if you are faithful to God... Do you believe that only good things will happen to you in life? Uh, Kevin, what do you think about that? If you're faithful to God, will things turn out right for you? I don't read that anywhere. Yeah. I want you to look at uh, Jeremiah's life uh, here today. 
So uh, it says, when the priest, Pashur, son of Immer, the chief officer in the temple of the Lord. So this is, who is it? It's the priest. He's, uh, you know, the chief officer in the temple. Uh, so this is a guy high up. Uh, when he uh, heard Jeremiah prophesying these things, he had Jeremiah the prophet beaten and put in the stocks at the upper gate of Benjamin at the Lord's temple. Uh, wow, what happened here? Uh, sometimes uh, when I was a young pastor, I'd stand at the back of the church and everybody would shake hands with the pastor and, you know, good pastor, good, good job, pastor, good sermon, good sermon. Uh, there's this one particular guy, I won't mention him, uh, but he, but that was the best sermon you ever gave. You know, week after week, um, he would say the same thing. And then he would go out and live like I'd never heard it before. Uh, um, I, I got to the point after a few years, like I didn't even go to the back of the church any longer. Um, uh, you know, I, I wanted to be at the front where people that wanted to meet with Jesus were and where people were hungry uh, and wanted, were desperate for more of him. But, you know, here I am kind of complaining that somebody would come up and say, good sermon, Pastor. <laughs> What do you think uh, Pashur said about uh, Jeremiah's sermon? <laughs> I'm thinking he's not liking it. He has him beaten, put into the stocks, and uh, kind of ridiculed. He's, he's there overnight. Uh, have you ever done something so wonderful to get yourself put in stocks and beaten? No. Uh, I, I've been thinking about this passage and the irony of this, that he was beaten... Uh, probably within a mile of where Jesus was beaten. Um, uh, he was mocked, probably in uh, nearly the same location on, on this earth as what happened to Jesus. Um, and if we would say that Jesus was one that was without sin and yet suffered, uh, Jeremiah was going through the same, same deal, where he, he's just faithful and it gets him beaten. So uh, he's beaten, put into the stocks um, uh, at the Lord's temple. The next day, when Pashur released him from the stocks, Jeremiah said to him, The Lord's name for you is not Pashur, but Magor Masabib. For this is what the Lord says, I will make you a terror to yourself and to all your friends. With your own eyes, you will see them fall by the sword of the enemies. I will hand all Judah over to the king of Babylon and will care away to Babylon or put them to the sword. I will hand over to their enemies all their wealth of the city, all its products, all its valuables, and all the treasures of the king's Judah. Uh, they will take it away as plunder and carry it off to Babylon. And... And so uh, Jeremiah probably didn't have too good a night. Didn't wake up on the right side of the <laughs> right side of the bed that night. Can you imagine being put in stocks? Sometimes have you ever gotten like on your knees to pray for somebody and been been down there for ten minutes and have your knees aching, absolutely aching? Or have you ever been sitting in a very very comfortable car for six hours? <laughs> And when you get out, your body cannot move because you're just so stiff. Um, Jeremiah is, is in stocks. Um, he cannot move. 
uh, he his body is probably falling, like little parts of his body are falling asleep, and he is absolutely aching uh, because he's followed the word of the Lord. And uh, and you know he wakes up and and what he, he while that is all happening, people are walking by, and they're ridiculing him. People are mocking him and saying all kinds of things about him. And so, uh, you know, he calls out this Pashur. So now he stops talking to this guy and he starts talking to God, which uh, is one of the most important things that we can do when we are, um, when we're having a good time, it's good to talk to God. But when there's sometimes we need to stop talking to our friends, we need to start talking to God, especially when things are not going well. So here's Jeremiah's complaint to God. Oh Lord, you deceived me. You deceived me, and I was deceived. You overpowered me and prevailed. Here's what happened. I am I'm ridiculed all day long. Everyone mocks me. Whenever I speak, I cry out proclaiming violence and destruction. Uh, so like he has no choice. Every time he opens his mouth, um, the only message that he can proclaim is you, you better get right with God or destruction is going to happen. And it's his only message. God won't let him go to another message. That would be a whole lot easier. Um, Ten steps to prosperity or how to make your, you know, how to have a wonderful life and family. Um, it is only like repent or destruction is going to happen to you. And now he's in the stocks, and he's absolutely being ridiculed. Uh, so he says, this is, this is what happens. The word of God has brought me insult and reproach all day long. Pastor Fred, you said it's useful. <laughs> you said it's really helpful. You said it's great and it can transform your life. Do you know what the word of God has brought me? Um, just insults and people making fun of me. You know, sometimes we can believe that if we're faithful and if we're doing right, everything's going to turn out right. But that's not the message of the gospel. It wasn't the message of Jesus' life. In Isaiah 53, the suffering servant, uh, in Job's life, uh, a, a man who committed no sin, and yet he was, um, you know, suffered more than, more than anybody. And in Jesus' life, the same kind of suffering. It's easy to believe that if we are constantly faithful, then everything's going to turn out right. But it's just not scriptural. And we need to be expecting that that's not the case. So, uh, but, he says, this is a whole new transition. Like, he's thinking it out. Like, the word of God's only brought me insult and reproach. So, you know what I'll do? I'll just be quiet. But he says, but if I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, his word is in my heart like a fire, a fire shut up in my bones. I am weary of holding it in. Indeed, I cannot. Um, it's, it's that uh, what every single uh, preacher feels like, um, man, I cannot hold this in. I didn't choose this. God, you chose this for me, but I cannot possibly hold it in. Uh, he says, I hear people whispering terror on every side, 
report him. Let's report him. All my friends are waiting me for me to slip. So this is not his enemies, but even his friends are now um, just looking for him to slip up. Perhaps he will be deceived. Then we will prevail over him and take our revenge on him. Can you feel the, the despair in this guy's life? Uh, like what, what has following God helped him? What has it gotten him? And yet he's wanting to be faithful and choosing to be faithful. Uh, verse 11 says, but the, but the Lord is with me like a mighty warrior. Do you get him? Like he's starting to get his feet underneath him. He's starting to stop thinking about himself and to start thinking about God. It's a big shift in every one of our lives. It's really the big shift in the Psalms and prayer. And it's the big shift for each one of us when we stop thinking about how difficult life is for us and just how great our God is. It says, The Lord is with me like a mighty warrior, so my persecutors will stumble and not prevail. They will fail and be thoroughly disgraced. Their dishonor will never be forgotten. O Lord Almighty, you who examine the righteous and probe the heart and mind, let me see your vengeance upon them. For to you I have committed my cause. Sing to the Lord. Give praise to the Lord. He rescues the life of the needy and from the hands of the wicked. I sure wish his prayer ended right there. Looks like he's... He's changed his perspective to what's going on here and now to the long game. Yeah, that's really good. But uh, now go to verse 14. <laughs> Cursed be the day I was born. <laughs> Where was the guy from verse 13 that's singing praise to God? Now he's, he's cursing himself. May the day my mother bore me not be blessed. Cursed be the man who brought my father the news and made him very glad, saying, A child is born to you, a son. May that man be like the towns the Lord overthrew without pity. May he hear wailing in the morning, a battle cry at noon. Do you feel this? For he did not kill me in the womb with my mother as my grave, her womb enlarged forever. Uh, what happened? To it? Has this, does this scripture remind you of any other things that we've studied here? It's, it's actually Job chapter 3. Uh, he says the exact same thing. It's... It's really some words for us in suffering because think about this for a second. Um, this, like if you live this out, um, there's actually some, some help in this. Uh, sometimes I will actually use this passage to my benefit. You know, I'm like having a really, really bad day and, you know, people are saying or doing things that really hurt me. Uh, Sometimes I'll go back and I'll imagine, um, what if I had not been born? What if I had not been born? You know what? If I had not been born, I wouldn't have to deal with this trouble right now. You know what? If I hadn't been born, I would, you know, and then I'd just play that out. And after just a couple, you know, if I'd never been born, I stop thinking about what's so bad and I start thinking about what I'd be missing. Start thinking about the joy of life. You know, and what it what it means to just live and love God, and and just uh, after a little bit, that what if I had not been born, changes to, but I have been, I have been, and God's got a purpose for me. And so I honestly want you to 
think about how great God is and how wonderful it is. But the next time you're in a, like, things aren't turning out right, just play it out for a few minutes. Just what if I hadn't been born? And then what you'll find in just a few minutes of that is you'll get back to your calling. This is what God made me for. This is what, this is what he has for me. So chapter 21, after his rant, after his pity party, um, after his like now, uh, this is what I want to get to. Now, this, there's a huge shift in 21. Uh, up to this point, he's been preaching. He's been trying to beg people to listen, but they won't listen. But let's try to figure out what happens here. Chapter 21, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah when King Zedekiah sent to him Pashur, son of Malkijah, and the priest Zephaniah, son of Messiah. Now, this is not the same Meshur or Pashur that beat him. This is another one. Do you notice the shift there? They, the king, sends for him. I think this shift was this. Uh, everybody's been making fun of this guy. Everybody's been not listening to him. But the shift is coming because they can see that this guy's life is ringing true. This guy's words are ringing true. And there's, like, there's, some, um, there's some credibility to him right now. And so they call to him. Verse 2, Inquire now of the Lord for us, because Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, is attacking us. Perhaps the Lord will perform wonders for us, as in the times past, and will withdraw from us. Uh, here's why they were calling on him. Like, there's Nebuchadnezzar on one side. They're desperate. They're absolutely desperate. It's, this is what I feel like. I wrote this down in my notes. This is like Noah who built the ark, and he's building this ark for 100 years, and everybody's making fun of him. Can you imagine the day that the door shuts and the rain starts coming down, and the people saying, uh, Noah, Noah, I believe that Jeremiah's words and his, his life has led to this moment. Now the rain's starting to come down and there's, hey, what, what do we do now? Uh, but Jeremiah answered Zedekiah, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I'm about to turn against you the weapons of war that are in your hands. Another way of putting this is the things that you're trusting for protection are going to be the very things that destroy you. Uh, for the king of Babylon and the Babylonians who are outside the wall besieging you, and I will gather them inside the city. I myself will fight against you. You know, it's not the Babylonians you need to worry about. They're just a tool in my hands. Now, this is the king. Uh, he's just gotten beaten for giving a message. Now the king himself has come to him and asked for, for a word, and he's, this is what he's saying. I myself will fight against you with an outstretched arm and a mighty arm in furious anger and in great wrath. I will strike down those who live in this city, both man and beast, and they will die of a terrible plague. After that, declares the Lord, I will give Zedekiah, king of Judah, the very one who asked him to preach this, <laughs> Like he's, hey, you, I will give this king, his officials, and the people in this city who survived the plague, sword, and famine into the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and to their enemies who want to kill them. 
He will put them to the sword. He will show them no mercy or pity or compassion. Furthermore, tell the people, this is what the Lord says. See, I am setting before you the way of life and the way of death. Now, up to this point, this is a big, big moment. Because he's just told Zedekiah, uh, you're going to die. <laughs> uh, you know, there wasn't, no, there wasn't an out for him. He's now giving the people an out. I think I would have included Zedekiah in the out, you know, that would have, you know, if it was if it was me, but but Jeremiah is like he just listens to the Lord. He's just proclaiming what the Lord said. So he gives them an out. He says, "This is what the Lord says. See, I'm setting before you the way of life and the way of death." What's that sound like? Deuteronomy. That's the very book of the law that he remembered as a kid and you know, in this commitment to choose life and choose death. Verse 9, Whoever stays in this city will die by the sword, famine, or plague. Whoever goes out and surrenders to the Babylonians who are besieging you will live. I think it's really important for us to just point out who lives? The people who surrender. And nothing's changed. If you're in a place where there's difficulty in your life, if there's a place where you're crying out to God, life comes in surrender. Life always comes into surrender. It's, it's laying whatever there is that you have at the feet of Jesus and surrendering. And, and that's the only way of life. That's how they will escape with their lives. Verse 10, I have determined to do this city harm and not good, declares the Lord. It will be given into the hands of the king of Babylon, and he will destroy it with fire. Moreover, say to the royal house of Judah, hear the word of the Lord. And this is what the Lord says to you, house of David. Administer justice every morning. Rescue from the hand of the oppressor, the one who has been robbed, or my wrath will break out and burn like fire because of the evil you have done. Burn with no one to quench it. This is a tough message, isn't it? Um, Jeremiah was obedient. He was faithful. Uh, the great thing about Jeremiah is later he can proclaim encouragement and you can receive it because you know this guy is not just flattering people. Um, you can receive the great encouragement that will come uh, later on in this book because you know this is a guy that will share the truth. But here is the key of what Jeremiah is preaching, and it is surrender. You want to save your life? Hold on. You save your life by losing it. You lose your life, and you save it. Years ago, around the turn of the 1900s, turn of that century, uh, there was a very wealthy man named William Borden. Uh, William Borden, when he graduated from high school, his parents were so wealthy that they sent him on a tour around the world. Um, now, can you imagine that, how much that would cost and how difficult that would be? Uh, William Borden, as he was traveling around the world, his heart began to break for the loss that he saw in many countries that didn't know Jesus. Um, in his Bible, he pens these words. As a millionaire at the age of 18, he put no reserves. I'm not going to hang on to my stuff. I'm going to surrender it. He entered a Yale 
and he began to study uh, to become a missionary. But he didn't wait uh, to leave Yale to be a missionary. He began these groups, these little prayer groups and Bible study groups uh, all over the campus. Uh, they began to look for uh, the incorrigibles, the most difficult people. They, they began to, by name, every single person that was a student at Yale, and they would assign somebody to that student to try to win them to the Lord. It was said that uh, in the four years that he was there, by the, by the end, 1,000 of the 1,300 students were in a prayer and Bible study group. Um, at the end of his four years, um, he put these, penned these words in his Bible, no retreat. He wasn't going to rely upon his wealth, and he wasn't going to back down from anybody. He wasn't reserving anything, and he wasn't retreating. He uh, was going to go to China as a missionary. As he was traveling from China, he stopped in Egypt to, uh, to begin to learn some languages. And within just a month of being in Egypt, he uh, encountered a disease that killed him. And what people say that in his Bible, uh, it is reported that the last words that he wrote were no regrets. That he lived a life of, you know, no retreat, no reserves, and no regrets. And I think this is probably a better model to live by than the model that we think of so often that if I'm just faithful to the Lord, then prosperity will come. Or what I was taught early on in ministry, that if your church is just healthy, it'll grow. Just make sure your church is healthy and it'll grow. Well, tell that to Jeremiah. Or actually tell that to Jesus who started with thousands, and when he went the way of the cross, you know, there's just a handful of people that are there. Uh, following Jesus doesn't mean everything will turn out great, but he's not called us to greatness. He's called us to faithfulness. He's called us to lay down our lives. He's called us to surrender. And when we do that, we, we begin to realize what we are created for. Aren't you thankful for a man named Jeremiah who just was faithful, um, who just played his part in the grand scheme of things. And what he really did in the grand scheme of things is he pointed out the way of the cross very early on. And he probably suffered very near to the exact same spot that Jesus was flogged. He uh, probably was mocked near the very same spot that people walked by the cross and mocked Jesus. He lived this way of the cross. So I don't know about you. I don't know uh, what's going on in your life. I don't know um, if some people are coming against you. I don't, I, I, I'm guessing that what we call persecution in America is not laying down our lives. Um, usually what we call persecution in America is somebody says something on Facebook against us. But there are people today all over the world that are being faithful with their very lives and laying them down. And uh, we are called to do the same thing and let the results uh, be up to him. So, Lord, I just want to pray today for the church all over the world and those who are uh, being faithful to you. And today it could cost them their very lives and not could. Today it is costing people their very lives. I pray, God, 
that you would help them be faithful. But God, sometimes it's harder to be faithful in prosperity than it is to be faithful in persecution. In fact, it seems like the church throughout the centuries has grown better through persecution than it's grown through prosperity. We've looked at the life of Jeremiah and the the people in prosperity just turn away from you and then in persecution they start wanting to know what you're thinking. God help us. Help us today turn to you. So God, I pray for even a person in a car right now. We thank you that there is hope in you and that with you, with you, uh, there is salvation alone. God, I pray that people would turn to you today for that salvation. In Jesus' name, amen.